God bless you. Let's stand as we read the word together. <clears throat> so enjoyed this word last night. So appreciate. Amen. I told Carol this morning after going out and shaking a few hands with the, some of the saints last night, I realized that I was raising more questions about heaven than I was giving answers. So it's, it's a lot to talk about, isn't it? It's certainly a lot to talk about and think about. Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. Now, John is speaking on the terms of limitation and proximity. So he doesn't say the sun isn't there. Whenever he looked and he saw no more sea, he said, I saw no more sea. But he didn't say, I didn't see no more sun. Or he didn't say, I didn't see no more moon. But he says that the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Let's just go. Y'all have anything more important than this? What you got scheduled for the next month or so? Hey, if you've got anything more important than this, I'm going to make an altar call right now and invite you to come get saved. I mean, Carol's talking about going home last night. I said, the only drawback I have when I talk about this is thinking about people that aren't in. As far as plans, routine, schedule, put everything I've got on hold. Forget it all. Brother, sister, this is what we live for. Amen. Let's pray together as we bow our heads in the presence of God. Lord Jesus, how blessed we are today. To be able to read these scriptures and not laugh and scoff. Because, Lord, as I read uh, different things from agnostics and infidels that read such scriptures and they laugh and ridicule and say the Bible is a book for only the feeble-minded, for those who need the support of religion. But, Lord, we're so thankful that we have a heart to believe to be able to accept your word and know that it is true. Father God, we ask that you would help us today as we endeavor to look into this great paradise that you have gone to prepare for your people. How could I as a mortal ever be able to bring the gracious wonder that lays before us? I'll do my best, but Lord, it'll be so limited. I know they will try to comprehend they will, their minds, they'll try to be single-minded as long as they can to be able to listen and to be able to comprehend. And 
how can such a place exist and how can I go there? But we need your help to help us today. Fathers, I hold these four prayer calls in my hands. Lord, you see the needs. And God, we're asking you in the name of Jesus that you would be mindful, Lord. We know, Lord God, that you are not so heavenly minded that you do not concern yourself with our earthly needs. So even though we're going to speak of a time when there is no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more death, we know that you still are concerned about your sick children and those that are troubled and those that are weary. So I ask today, Father, may your anointing go with these claws, Father. May it demonstrate the power of God. Speak to us today as only you can do. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I find it amazing that the identification that is being carried over into the eighth day here in Revelation 21-23 of the Lord Jesus, of all the things that could have been said about him, he could have been called the Logos, he could have been called so many things, the Word, uh, so many titles that could have been given to him, and yet here he's still being identified as the Lamb. And yet, in one sense of the word, you think the lamb was only the mediatorial part that was used while we were still in time. But in this phase, by now, we've already blended into eternity. So what is it about the title, the identification of the lamb that God wants us to still be identified with in eternity. So it's not something that one day we will no longer need to be able to even think about that terms. Now, as I mentioned to you last night, the need for grace is eliminated when the product of grace has been produced. And we know by this time that the grace of God will totally be meted out in the time of the millennium and also to the elect. So there'll be no longer a need for grace. There'll be no longer a need for anybody to be saved. Everybody that can be saved will be saved. Everybody that can receive the Holy Ghost will have received it. But yet in eternity, the identification of the Lord Jesus is still going to be reckoned under this name, Lamb. And it must be so vitally important to the eternal Father, the realm, that blessed light by which the Son, Lamb, came out of, that John says, And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now, once you notice how that he differentiates between the glory of God, the Shekinah of God, and the Lamb. He does not say that the Lamb actually is the glory of God, but he says, The glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So the Lamb is still the avenue by which the glory of God will be ministering through eternity. 
Now, whenever we think of glory, no doubt your mind and my mind would differ according to our opinion and our perception of glory. One of the words that's used in the Bible is the word doxa, D-O-X-A, and it is the attribute of God's goodness. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses asked God, Lord, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. I've heard of your voice and I know that you're with us, but I want to see you and I want to know who you are. And God said, no, no man can see my face and ever be able to live. But I'll sit you over the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by and when I do, I'll move my hand and I'll let you see my glory. Of course, we know that he did that. And then when Moses was taken up on the mount to be able to receive the written law of God, God allowed Moses to step into the pillar of fire when he steps back out. There was a remnant of the glory of God that was so upon Moses' face that they had to take a cloth or a veil and hide his face because of the glory. So, that you know, God's glory then is different from man's glory. We think about man's glory, and man, for him, it is what people think about him. It's the house he lives in, the car that he drives, how much that he's worth. And we think of glory in that way. That has nothing to do with the glory of God. And as I mentioned last night, the glory of God appeared, of course, at the annunciation of the birth of the Lord Jesus. When the angel appeared and the star in the sky came down and opened up and rolled back, and the glory of God appeared. Here it was, a little bit of the glory of God of the future kingdom. So God can reveal himself. We see him here service after service of the glory of God. And that is when the presence of God will come in, as he did last night at the close of the service. The anointing coming in, people rejoicing feeling the presence of the Lord and we know that's not man is that right? It's not the musicians that can produce that, the preacher can't do it and what is that for? It's for the glory of God. So whenever people come up and the preacher lays hands on them and God heals them what is that for? The glory of God but that's not the Shekinah or as we call it the Shekinah that is not the Shekinah because we don't see no right, bright rays illuminating from that and about putting our eyes out and you know, but yet there is that appearance of God as it appeared in the scripture. So there was times that God appeared this way in this glory of the Father. This is what Jesus asked for when he said, Father, glorify thou me with the glory that I had with thee before the world began. Now Jesus laid aside that glory in order for his humanity to be able to fully understand what we were going to go through. So had the people of the world ever seen that, no doubt that would have made many believers out of many people if the Lord Jesus would have allowed this glory to see the visible glory, but only a very few ever saw that about the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Olives, Mount Transfiguration rather, when he was transfigured, Peter, James, and John saw this glory come down and it was an identification that he was the Father God in a human form. But Caphasus never saw that, Annas never saw that, Pilate never saw that. So God only reveals that to certain people at certain times. Brother Branham was able to see that. Most of us have probably never seen that glory of God. Yet we've seen God heal, have we not? We've seen God save, we've seen God do things that only God could do. Is it God's glory? It is. But now we're talking about a glory of God which has been reserved and kept back from the majority of even the elect. 
Abraham might have saw a little bit of it, Isaac, Jacob, but for the most part, this part of God's glory has been kept and will not be seen until we enter here. Now, once we enter into that, John the Beloved, as we call him, he had seen many of the great things of God in Revelation 3. Of course, he saw the Lord Jesus and he saw his hands raised out and John basically passed out in the presence of God. And he said, fear not, I'm Alpha and Omega. And John kind of come to himself and he sees the sevenfold personage of the Lord Jesus as he's revealed in part of this glory of God. And he saw the Lord Jesus walk into something that John never saw as a man. He saw Jesus raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils. And he saw that part of the glory of God. But he never saw this part of the glory of God until the revelation was revealed. Now what we're looking at this morning is actually whenever the revelation will fully unfold itself and we will look and see God, that blessed heavenly Father, that eternal being, that great light as it shines from the throne. Now remember the Lord Jesus will sit upon the throne as the Lamb. He will be a man. But the Father will hang above Him. Now not two gods and not two thrones. And John says, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So we notice again the emblem of the Lamb will be fully identified and represented in eternity. Notice John how he brings it together, and he said the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So the Lamb is that reflection of the glory of God. So the Lamb was not the light within himself, no more than we are, but it was the glory of God. So the Lamb was the human personage of God by which God chose to reveal Himself. So the joy of that city will be the light of God which will be forever. There'll be no power stations. There'll be no electric bills. There'll be no electric poles. There'll be no lights like this. For the glory of God will lighten the city. Now this is what it was that walked into the Garden of Eden whenever it must have been wonderful. Now we know in the Garden of Eden actually of course that it was not in the phase of eternal like it will be in the eighth day. Actually more the Garden of Eden was a reflection of the millennium instead of the eighth day. Because in the millennium it will be a restoration more back to the first day. But the eighth day goes beyond what was in the Garden of Eden in so much that it will be the glory of God. But it was the glory of God that would come down in the evening and the pillar of fire would come down in the bush and they would see little excerpts of the glory of God as man has been allowed to see from time to time. But when it comes to this, then now we move beyond the millennium and it will be the glory itself. Now think that the people living inside the city, their eyes will have to be new eyes in order to stand this glory. The nations that live outside the city and will camp on the outside, they will have to have glorified eyes to be able to look at the brilliance and the splendor of the great king because if not, regular human eyes would be put out with this glory. So truly everybody that will be living on the earth at this time will be in a glorified state. We could not stand that presence and that glory of God. Is that right? Any of y'all ever seen the pillar of fire? Any of y'all ever seen it? Ever seen an angel of God in a visible form? Any of you? Any of you ever seen the Lord Jesus in a visible form? Well, now, you think that because God don't love you? Is it because you're not Christians that you're not saved people? 
For the most part, most of us cannot handle that. We could not handle it. For Brother Branham, even seeing that, and it would leak, it made him so weak that the man could hardly even walk afterwards. It would overwhelm him. Why? Human flesh degenerates so rapidly in the presence of this glory, it would kill us humanly if we were not changed by the power of God. So the excerpts of this glory that God has revealed has been very few down through time and been very minute, very small, and just very small glimpses because human beings cannot take this type of glory. So when we read this, let's not just read, oh, well, the glory of God's going to be the light of it and the Lamb's going to be the light of it. No, you're not fully comprehending what it's going to require for us to be able to live in this glory of God every day. Our eyes will have to be changed. Our flesh will have to be changed. Everything about us will have to be brand new. We could not take this type of the glory of God. Now watch in verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved. Now notice John does not say elect. He does not call them bride. But actually John severs the nations from the city, which is the wife. And he calls them the nations of them that are saved. Doesn't say they have the Holy Ghost. Doesn't say they're fully born again. But they are saved. Thank God for salvation. I said thank God for salvation. Amen. I thank God that His mercy goes beyond the Lamb's book of life over into the book of life. Thank God many of our loved ones may not be bride, but they can be saved. Many of the nations of the world are not elect, but they can be saved. Thank God for salvation. Amen. Don't look down upon folks that are just saved. If God saved them, thank God for it. Don't ridicule them. Don't make fun of them. Well, you don't believe the message, so you're not going. If God saved them, and that's as far as they're supposed to go, thank God for it. That's one more the devil won't take with him to hell. That's right. Now, notice that there will be in heaven. I know this may stag you if you're just a little bit. But there has always been and always will be categories in the great program of God. Now, as far as standing before the cross and standing under the blood of the Lord Jesus, we all stand there one and the same. We all need to be saved, forgiven, filled with the Holy Ghost. But yet, in the economy of God, there's always been positions that God exalted one above the other. There was angels that were created, which were cherubims, seraphims, zunes. There are angels of lower degree, angels of higher degree. We remember reading the story in the book of Daniel whenever Daniel was praying. And the, the angel of God from heaven was sent to be able to help Daniel, but he could not bring through because the demon which was a former angel that was over the city where Daniel was he ranked higher in authority than an angel of God which had not fallen isn't it amazing this demon had fallen from the original program of God but his his priority or his power that God had given to him in the original creation ranked higher than an angel of God which had not fallen y'all know this is the Bible right so what does God do? Then he sends Gabriel down there, which ranked above the demon over that city, and he was able to go down and break through. Then, of course, he tells Daniel, I must leave and go back and fight with the kings of Persia, which was not natural kings, but it was demons which are now allocated to anoint the Persians because they're fixing to come in and become the world power. So here are these demons, and the word principality in the New Testament is the Greek word arche, which means those that were created in order. So when they fail, they still maintained order. You and I, when we're casting out devils, that's why it's not advisory for any Christian to cast out devils if they don't know what they're dealing with. 
Well, praise the Lord, because you can get in big trouble quick. Now, you realize that God then knew exactly what these demons would do, and God gave them certain authority and power, and when they failed, they was able to maintain that. But that does not end once we get into eternity. Right here, we can see that the nations of them which are saved, they will have kings in them. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. Now, this is the brilliance that is coming from the city. And the kings of the the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Now John, by, by this time in the vision, John is already, the vision has broadened out where John is no longer just seeing the city. But now John has entered in by vision into the eighth day and he's standing off somewhere in that fourth dimension where he was seeing it and he's watching and he's just seeing the city as it comes down lounge upon Mount Zion as the earthquake opens up the earth and the bowels of the earth opens up and the mountain pushes up out of the earth and then John backs off in the vision as it was this way and now he's beholding as the nations of the earth are gathering on the outside of the city. So John sees inside the city and then he sees the great avenues, the parks, the streets and all that. And then it's like God carries him back and he moves him back away from the city and he sees multiplied millions of people that are living on the outside. Some way, whether by insignia or flag or whatever more, John separates them by nations and identifies that they're not all Jews and they're not all of the same nationality but he says nations and somehow in the vision as God breaks John into it he also sees that there are kings inside of those nations and no doubt some of these will come up from being the saved of the earth in the millennium some of them may have got saved you know in other time frames but they will live now here John sees and he designates that there is a difference between the kings of the earth and the kings of of heaven. Notice he said the nations of them which are saved. So now notice John is not seeing that the merging of the bride, which he's already identified in heaven, that out of the bride come people from Tennessee, come people from America, people from Africa, from Canada, from all different parts of the world. But notice John does not identify the bride as by nationality. But he identifies her in her position as far as being the bride, the lamb's wife. So don't say that was American bride, that was a Canadian bride, that was African bride, but they were bride. Amen. But when he goes to identifying those outside the city, then he calls them the nations of the earth that are saved. And he said, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So then those kings which had obeyed the Lord in the time of the thousand year reign, they are actually brought up out of that reign, living, if you can comprehend this, they've lived this thousand years on the earth under the reign of the Lord Jesus, but they still don't have glorified bodies. Somehow at the end of the millennium, before we go into the eighth day, these natural people in the millennium will receive a glorified body. So they are actually transplanted from the millennium over into the eighth day. Now notice what they've done. They've mirrored where they're going into eternity eternity by their obedience in time. I hope you all are following me. What have they done in the millennium? They've been submissive to the rule and reign of the son of David in the millennium and they were a king over their nation, whatever it were, and because they were obedient, God will transplant them and their obedient people right over here in the new Jerusalem and set them down on the outside of the city in a similar way that they were outside the city of Ezekiel 48. They lived in the millennium. You're going to happen the same thing. Can't you see why the rapture 
here for you is just another step in who you are that you're going to be one day you're going to get up as a normal average day and God is going to transplant you out of Laodicea into a new body into a new world Amen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and all it is is just one more step. Don't look at the rapture as if though it's some great something that is beyond anything you've ever had. It is, in one sense of the word, but in another sense of the word, it is the culmination of what's going on every day in your life. Every day as you walk with God, and when you hear the word, and for a few moments our souls are able to be caught up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus, God is giving you a foretaste of your body change because your thinking is able to ascend your, your body your mind you know whatever you're going through you're able to press beyond it for a little while and God is able to bring you to another realm what will the rapture be the very same thing that will transplant us from Laodicea over into the final stage of the body change into eternity So these kings of the nations that have lived on the outside of the city, they will be transplanted from the millennium status over into the eighth day. Now, they do not become bride in the millennium. The bride is already complete at the rapture. Praise God. There's no more people added to the bride after the rapture. That's it. But there can be people saved, and they will be, no doubt, by the millions of them in the millennium. And then they will be reserved and transferred over here into the time of the great city. Now, John looks at them, and he thinks, what in the world? You know, he sees these people there, and he knows they're not residents of the city. And he saw all of that throng. He must have seen me and you and you and you. People that he did not recognize, and he saw us as we were there. And then John moves outside the city, and he sees these people out there. And they're living in glorified bodies. He can tell that they're glorified bodies, but somehow there is a difference about the glory about them. They have eternal life and they're living there and he knows that there's a difference there. He said, what in the world is going on? Because I see these people in here and they're more like the image of him that's sitting on the throne, but the people out here, they still bear a different, oh glory to God, they bear a different identification. Don't you understand that you're not just going to live in a different place and everybody else you're going to look different you're going to bear the image of the glory just like you do now we bear the image of the risen savior in our soul right now this morning friends and when we get there there will be why because it is part of the king's honor and glory that he wants to share with his beloved bride and no matter where you go if you want to go to Africa if you want to matter where you go everybody will know you are the queen because there will be something different about you if not it would break his type of now oh my Praise be to God. Notice this. So there will be subordination of ranks. Now I notice, and I know whenever we go this way, the people get all tore up because they want to think that it'll be like it is now on earth. It's nothing like it is now on earth because we all know what it is to be subordinate. Everybody has to be under somebody. And I don't care who you are, you've got somebody to answer to. It's always been that way, and it always will be that way. Well, Brother Donnie, who do you answer to? Almighty God, he's my boss. But I'm still under somebody. Come on. Almighty God is Brother Bram's boss and Paul's boss and Peter's boss. We've all got to answer to somebody. 
But yet there will be kings on the outside of the city and there will be kings on the inside of the city which are presented to Christ by God and they've been made to be kings and priests, of course, and they will reign forever, Revelation 22, 5. So the natural uh, earthly nations of the millennium have now been moved into the eighth day, but they will still maintain that national symbol status. So whether they were Babylonians or Iranians or Iraqis or whatever more, that the nations will be identified there and they will still be there. But now keep in mind, there will be nobody jealous. There will be nobody trying to undermine a king and get his position. No, all that will be done. All of that will be done away with. Praise God. You see, it is part of the king's glory in order to have other kings under him that this submission of eternity might be further reflected in the way he views it. It's totally different the way than you and I view it. You know, in the mind of carnal Christians, they say, well, all that's gone, all that's done away with, they lack real understanding. And they also lack a scriptural basis. Notice Psalm 72, 11. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. Now they will now they will not relinquish their kingship in the sense of the eternal. This is the way he wants it to be. This is actually now as it's come to the culmination of what it should have been in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, God wanted man and the woman to be there. Out of there, the book of life, Adam and Eve would have spoke, given birth, of course, to all of her children. Christ should have come through her. I should have come through her. Isaiah should have come through her. But God allowed this thing called sin in order that it might be bypassed to bring the fullness of his attributes but when we come to the millennium what will happen it will be the reliving of what should have been in the beginning so natural people propagating on the earth multiplying having children and they'll go on and on and on and on then the end of childbirth will come at the millennium amen all will be changed there'll be no such thing in the eighth day but the accomplishment of the nations must happen while it's in the millennium. Because remember, if you've got all bribed, they all live in the city. On out outside the city, the whole earth's vacated. There ain't nobody there because all the bride's going to be in the city. So who's going to be on the outside? Nations. Nations. And they will live there for eternity. And there will be kings over those nations. And what will they do? According to David, he said, All kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Verse 17. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Jeremiah 3.17. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. And all nations shall be gathered unto it. To the name of the Lord. To Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. Now these nations are also, the way Jesus explained the parable in Matthew chapter 25 verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, He shall sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all nations. Notice, not bride. All nations and He shall separate them one from another 
as a shepherd. Now, they are not sheep, but they will be divided as sheep. Remember, he tells us this in the church age book. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, he shall shut the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now, in this, these nations will be gathered together, and over them will be kings, and there will be great dominions, and they will be doing the work. I say work when I say that. Think of heavenly work, not the way that we work in our minds when we take a mattock and a hoe and a shovel and we grub and dig and do this and that. No, it will be like it was in the beginning in the Garden of Eden that God told man, dress it and keep it. It will be labor in the sense of such light. It will be no toil. It will be no heartache, no difficulty with it because what's going to be outside the city are the other tribes, as it were, in the type of the Old Testament, and they are bringing their honor, their glory, their tithing, as it was, into the city where the bride lives inside the Father's house. Amen. Amen. Notice this in question answered. Brother Ben said, I can prove that there is degrees in heaven, that they'll not all be the same equal, but you'll have equal eternal life. But the Bible said the kings of the earth bring their honor and glory, Revelation 22, bring their honor and glory into the city. That proves there'll be kings in the new earth, kings and rulers. Now, you see, in our mind, we think of a monarchy, and we think, well, God wants to subdue everything, and he don't want no more kings, no. Actually, the original concept, Satan was able to break in to a little bit about the program of God and be able to pervert it down through times where kings would fight, and they'd kill one another and do all that. But the theory of it from God is exactly right. Think of it. In eternity, there will be kings inside the city. There will be kings on the outside of the city. There will be nations and they will not one raise up and put another down and come with a coup and be able to destroy this. No, all of that is done. But God's original form will be finally lived out in the right way. Oh, it'll be wonderful. Don't you want to go? Oh my, hallelujah. Don't you want to be a part of that great kingdom of the almighty? Notice this. He said that proves there will be kings in the new earth, kings and rulers. Jesus told his disciples, they said, what will we have after we've left father and mother and to follow you? Verily he said, I say unto you, you shall set upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes in that day. See, it's another, it's an earthly system that's coming up that'll be far supreme to anything. In that there'll be no sin, but yet they'll have rulers and so forth in the cities with everything thing will be carried on in the way of eternal life. So there will be cities on the outside of the big city and there will be magistrates as it was and there will be kings and there will be a continuation of this same life but no adultery, no fornication, no lying. Oh my, praise God. No poor, no cripple, no maimed, no blind, no halt, no sick, no afflicted, no depression, no trouble. Oh, hallelujah. Friends, it's not just going to be floating around on clouds. It's going to be eternal life in a human body. My identified masterpiece of God has said the sun differs from the moon and the moon from the stars. There is angels such as there is angels, seraphims, cherubims, 
and angels, great angels, in degrees, and even in the new world to come, the kings of the earth bring their honor into the city. You know, I know this offends people every time I quote it, but Brother Bram said the angel that come to him was a minor angel. You didn't know I said that. Well, he said it several times. It was a minor angel. So God has degrees. And yet they've worked in that system of God for millions of years if we would count time. And the real angels have no problem with somebody being above them. Some preachers need to learn that, don't they? That's right. They have no problem knowing that there are angels that are above them. Angels that have more delegated authority. It's always been that way. They have lived in that realm, worked in that realm, as I said, for millennia, for millions of years, however long it is. And yet not one of the elect angels has ever rebelled against the kingdom of God. It was only that other guy on the other side that had a problem with headship. Now the devil, he had a real problem with somebody being above him. Well, hallelujah. So did them other angels, which may I go ahead and say and tell you were non-elect angels. Because when God created these angels, he infiltrated in every one of these degrees. Remember that Satan himself was the original cherubim. So now they're in the cherubimic ark and the angel of God and that order, there was angels which could fall. And the other angels, angels that could fall. So God put them in every class and category of angelic creation, knowing that some would. But yet God also knew that the elect angels Angels had no problem with the order that God created. Neither will anybody in the new city have a problem with anybody being a king. And everybody there won't be want to be a king. I'll tell you one thing, it ain't fair. I should have been the king. I'm smarter than that guy. I know more about there won't be nobody there that'll ever think such a thought. They'll say, praise God, ain't this wonderful? We've had this king now for about, best I can figure, 489,325,943 years, and I'm just as happy today as I was the first day I got under his kingship. I'm telling you what, this is absolutely wonderful. Everybody's happy, nobody's sad, everybody is cheerful, everybody's full of joy. Nobody, I ain't never seen anybody with a sad look on their face. I ain't never seen nobody with a frown. I know, brother, that sounds like heaven to me. You understand, Brother Branham is going to have a great position in heaven. According to what the prophecy told him was, a huge portion of heaven awaits thee. I personally have no problem with it. I'm part of the portion. Amen. I'm identified with the seventh angel now. I will be identified with him throughout all eternity. People that want to say, well, we're beyond Brother Branham. We don't need Brother Branham. I'm going to be identified with Brother Branham even walking down streets of gold. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to love Paul, Arrhenius, all the rest of those church age messengers. But I was called out of this age. I was sealed in this age. I preached the message of this age. It will be in this age that I will be identified in eternity. I'm happy now. I know I'll be happy then. Now notice, he says, seraphims, cherubims, angels, great angels, in degrees. Even in the new world to come, the kings of the earth bring their honor in the city. We're always going to be that way because God is not a Sears and Roebuck Harmony House. And that's a really good thing since Sears and Roebuck and Harmony House is bankrupt. 
And you can never bankrupt God. He is a God of variety. He makes one one way and another one another. But we must serve him in the way God made us and be. Ah, oh, there's the key, brother, sister. But it's so hard for us to be glad, especially if our pride and our arrogance convinces us that we can do more than what God gives us. Now you're talking about the devil's attributes. Amen. Preach, Brother Donnie. But we must serve him in the way that God made us and be glad and stay behind his word. And that's the way God did it. Now notice then the kings of the earth and the nations on the outside, they will begin regulating under the eternal order of God and whatever their glory is. They have something that will be given to them on the outside. You know, it's as if though some of the Ottoman powers and some of the kingdoms of the earth. You remember reading about Herod, King of Herod and, and her Griffin, some of the different ones. Actually, they were a hand-picked king under the Nero and under the different rulers of Rome. But they were a king, but they were much more than just a puppet that was there. And they had to do whatever, you know, the big guy said. But in, in theory, the type of that is exactly right of what it will be in the eternal. Except the man on top won't be a pope or he won't be an emperor. He'll be the almighty. But he will also delegate by his own choice and sovereignty of who the kings will be on the outside. And there won't be none of them changed because he don't make no mistake. We go to the, the voting booths and we vote. And if you vote and you vote, well, I tell you, I believe this man will make the best man for a senator. I believe this man right here. Boy, he'd be the best president ever was six months time. He's saying, I wish I hadn't even voted for him. I wish I hadn't even voted for her, but I'll tell you one thing, I sure made a mistake. Well, there's one thing about God. God won't never put a man in the wrong place at the wrong time. So the kings that are there, now think it's open, don't hurt you, but these kings will be in their position forever. For eternity. Whew. Now let's take a tour. All up and down here will be the redeemed. There will be the houses of gold, pure gold. There will be avenues and parks and gardens and the river of life coming trickling out from the throne, running down through the little chasms and over the terraces. And the tree of life will be blooming in every yard and bearing its fruit 12 times a year and change fruit every month. And the kings of the earth shall come into it and bring their honor and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. When the kings are living in peace out there, when they go out, they'll pick a tree, a leaf off like that, like the dove come back with the wrath of God been settled and brought the holly leaf into the earth. So when the king leaves, he bringing his glory into the bride's chamber into the city. But you see, the kings on the outside are not bride. They can visit, but they can't stay. And the wonderful thing about it is, they don't have a problem with not being able to stay. Can't you see, friends, how great this is? God is going to do with humans what Satan could never accomplish. 
It's inhumans to be jealous of one another. Somebody gets a new car, a new, well, we don't wear hats anymore, but a new dress, a new pair of shoes, a new this or that or the other. It's just something in humans. And they look at that, oh, I wanted that dress. I was, I got that in layaway. Now I've got to go take it out of layaway. I ain't wearing it if she wears it. Well, so-and-so got that car. I was looking at that same car right down off the Ford lot. I, there's no way I'd buy that now with him getting it. There won't be none of that there. There will be all of that will be totally gone. It will be what God intended for it to be. God did not want just a handful of people on the earth. I feel so sorry for some of these narrow-minded message people that think them and their little 35 in their church is all that's going in the rapture. Them and their little 35, Brother Paul, and the ones that follow their little ideology. That's all that's going to be there. Boy, y'all going to have a lot of room in this big place. I'll tell you that right now. If God made this big of a city, it lets me know there's going to be a lot of folks there. There's going to be black folks, white folks, Chinese folks, Japanese folks. Come on, children. Because God loves folks. Amen. God loves them. You imagine how there's millions on the outside. So the message will come from the Lamb down to the kings in the city. Tell so-and-so on the outside. Him and his nation can come in for a visit next week. So maybe it's me or one of the deacons or however all that works. We go down and tell them, said, the king said, you and your people can come into the bride city. Next week. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. With great anticipation, we are waiting for it. We will bring figs, pomegranates, you know, whatever it is. I'm just <laughs> dramatizing. We're going to bring this and that. <laughs> Tell the king, we will not be late for church. be there for the special singing well, I just thought I'd throw that in there just in case anybody needed that then somebody else goes out and said tell that nation the king expects them and nobody said what I've got a problem with that there'll be nobody with problems I know, friends, it's more than our minds because everybody we deal with has problems. Boy, it's getting warm in here. Can you imagine millions of people, maybe even billions living on the earth? Nobody ever has a cross. Nobody ever looks funny at nobody else. Everybody's smiling. And they're not all on pills. They're not smoking something. They're not drinking something. They're not sneaking around the building, you know, lighting up something and coming out. <laughs> all of this is testifying of the power of God. That let human beings get in the hands of God. 
and God will strip out jealousy. God will strip out envy. God will strip out strife and they can live together for eternity in a similar way that they lived on earth and hated it. Can you imagine some of these people lived under the reign of kings before but they were tyrants and they hated it. But God will say the problem was the man at the top. But now I'm at the top. And I take care of everybody going down. I'm on top of the world. I'm on top of the church. I'm on top of Mount Zion, you see. So he'll hold a leaf over to his neighbor king. So apparently the city is going to be big enough where there can be at least two nations come in at the same time. Maybe ones in life that struggled and had problems with each other before they got saved. And they make their visit, they give their tithes, and they start out. And here they grab a hold of the leaf. This king grabs one, this king grabs one and says, You're my brother. One time in life we fought, we hated one another. You're one color and I'm another. You're one culture and I was another. I hated you. And you hated me. But now, we're at peace. Forevermore. One time we fought for one another's bloods, brother. We cherished and hollered and shot and burnt children and everything. But now there is peace. The healing, not disease healing, it's all done. The healing of the nation, amen. The leaves are before the healing of the nations. That is the kings that live in there. Bring their honor in. And when they bring their honor in and lay it before the throne of God. Just like the outside, the 11 tribes brought in every one of them the 10th to Levi. And when they bring their honor from the blessed land in that, they'll reach from the tree of life or break off a holly leaf, a tree of life leaf. Oh, praise God. I love leaves. You hear me? I love leaves. That's why I have a hard time in the fall. Because the leaves turn and they fall off. But I love it when they come back in the spring. I love it when they're there in the summer. I love leaves. I know some of y'all really thought I'm weird. Now you really think I'm weird. Well, why shouldn't I love leaves? They're part of my father's creation. But I'll tell you, brother, sister, there is not a leaf in this present world that will ever have the power that these leaves have. So they exchange leaves from the Bible. I, I, I mean, leaves from the tree. God, there is no more war. Everything is at peace. The leaves are a memorial for the healing of the nations. Can we journey just a bit further? Watch. Watch outside the gates of the walls spread across the new earth. Nations will dwell in eternal peace. 
outside the gate. Now, it'd be one thing for a king to keep the city under control, but nations outside the gates, eternal peace. Again, it's so hard for us to comprehend. Not one second of sadness. Think of it in reality. There's not a person here under the sound of my voice or one of the seven billion that live upon the face of the earth have ever had a perfect human life. You've had pain, agony, sorrow, sickness, trouble, heartbreak. Even the Lord Jesus, when he came to this earth, he suffered sickness and heartbreak and trouble and difficulty. Can you imagine? Not one person will ever be sad. You ever just get up mornings and you went to bed the night before? Man, alive, you felt so good. And then you didn't sleep so good. I sleep like a baby a lot myself. You know what that means? I sleep a while, wake up and cry a while, go back to sleep, go back and wake up and cry a while. That's sleeping like a baby to me. Y'all say, I slept like a baby. That don't sound good to me. (laughs) But can you imagine? Nobody will ever cry. Nobody will ever be sad. Nobody will ever be jealous. Nobody will ever even raise their voice. Nobody will ever even holler. Nobody will ever shriek out of fear. Nobody will ever feel any anxiety. I I know it's it's almost impossible for our minds to comprehend. I'm talking about our new home. I'm talking about what lays ahead of you. Look to me, friends. Let me tell you something this morning. Your future is looking wonderful. Because as the elect of God, the rapture lays ahead of you. The millennium lays ahead of you. The marriage supper of the Lamb lays ahead of you. And eternity lays ahead of you. Your future is looking wonderful. No sin can be there. No more bobbed-haired women will enter that city. I'll guarantee you that. No more short wine, cigarette-smoking, whoremongers, whores, liars, idolaters, whatever they was, won't enter that city. It's all over. Sin will be gone. Nothing to defile its holiness shall enter there. That's what he said. It's passed away forever. Look out in its fields and all around its gates. The bear will be gentle. The wolf will be tame. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. And the beast from the child will be led by a child. The beast of the wild will be led by a child. And I'll be changed from this creature. That I am. And by the time he gets here, he gets all broke up. Praise God. You know why? Because he was looking forward to it just like you and I. Can I have a few more minutes? Verse 25. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. For there shall be no night there. The perpetuity of the gates being constantly open. Is a symbol 
of no harm or danger. I've been privileged by the grace of God to travel in different parts of the world and see some of the ancient remains of castles and city walls. It's amazing how they study gates, how that they would design gates. The weakest, most vulnerable part, of course, of a wall would be the gates. So they would design the gate in a way that would try to delay the approach of the enemy. So many times they would put it up on a hill and make the ramp, the rampart, going up to it very narrow where they wouldn't be able to get bulwarks and so on up through there. Or they would make the gate where you'd come in like this and then turn like this and turn like that so you couldn't go straight in. Then they would also make it where there'd be slots in the top of it to where they would be able to pour a hot oil or boiling water to welcome your unwanted guest. Now don't do that at home. So the gates was always a sign of strength and yet the gate was always an area that the enemy wanted to approach. But these gates will never need to be shut. Always in the cities, the gates were shut at night. But since there's no night there, there's no need in closing them. Lord Jesus. The night, a common symbol of evil, darkness. Isn't it amazing? A thunderstorm, you know, what happens at your house during the day and it might be scary and all that. Take the same thunderstorm at night. What is it about night? It brings terror. It brings fear. The very resemblance of night does something to us as humans. I'm going to ask how many of you are afraid of the night. I mean, afraid of the dark. Psalms 91 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the error that flieth by day. Psalms 104 20, thou makest darkness and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. So night is associated with sin and with evil. Yet in the beginning it was not so. For the Bible tells us that he divided the light from the darkness and he called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the original creation of night was not associated with fear at all. It was associated with the time moving upon the earth. Of course, God making the earth in a sphere to where that the sun was not two suns, only one sun. So the earth spinning at a thousand miles an hour. Naturally, there's going to be a part of the earth that's going to be on one side of the light, the other side in darkness. So God, when he made it, it was not associated. But after the fall of man, night can produce terror. Night can produce fear. When is it that so many robberies take place? Nighttime. When is it so much evil in your neighborhood? When is it? Nighttime. When do the police officers fear and they got to go out and do this and that and the other? When is it? Nighttime. Drug deals. Nighttime. All kinds of things. Nighttime. But there'll be no night there. Oh, praise God. First Thessalonians 5, 2. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Second Peter 3, 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Even the coming of the Lord likened to when as a thief coming in the night. So night is represented as undesirable. Night is represented as a terror, as fearful, as things that we wait for the break of the day. But even outside the city, the night there will never be filled with terror or anxiety. 
You see, he's not just talking about the darkness, but he's talking about the symbolic meaning of night. That night associated with sin. There will never be any more lonely nights of crying and pleading prayer. There will never be any more nights of a sick child or a sick mother. Oh, praise God. What night is also represented by darkness, which is by Satan, the prince of the power of the air. It will symbolize the day he is in that place of separation forever. There shall be no night there. No night of separation, no night of sorrow, no child of a stillborn birth, no night. Let me share this with you and we'll go. But also night in the original creation. Is one of God's gifts. Listen to this. In plant life, it is essential to their growth. Night, so botanists say, is the time that the root of the plant feeds. During the day, the light acts as a force upon the lining of the bark of the plant or tree by which the nutrients are drawn up from the root. At night... That action ceases and the root is able to thrust itself downward deeper and deeper into the soil wherever it can gain the nourishment it needs. Can't you see why you need night times in your walk with God? Look at what the daylight does. Oh my, the great times that we enjoy so much. Yet the night time causes you to reach down deeper and deeper and deeper in your experience. Oh my, you think you appreciate health? You wait till you have a bout of sickness then you really appreciate it when you get better. Is that right? You wait till you appreciate being able to pay your bills so you get the spot that you can. You understand what I'm saying? And so in the beginning when God made night, it was a time of refreshing. Even Adam and Eve slept. God laid Adam down and brought Eve over and laid her on his arm and said, Good night, children. Papa has come down to kiss you. Good night. But in the eighth day, there's no beds. Let's stand together. Well, I'm sorry, some of you sleepyheads. You're depressed, ain't you? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. We sleep today. That's the trouble with the world today. It's sleeping. And so many people just love to sleep. But I'll say this. There's no beds in heaven. No disappointment, no sorrow, no sadness, and no beds. You know, sometimes I look and I think, I've wasted so much of my life sleeping. I could be doing so much more and getting so much more accomplished. The Lord must agree with that sometimes because sometimes he won't let me sleep at night. No, I have no problem with that, sir. Believe me. <laughs> but I'll say this. There's no beds in heaven. We won't sleep. When we get to heaven, because there's no night there. Can you imagine being awake for 5.6 million years? Some of y'all can't imagine staying awake in church for 30 minutes, much less. <laughs> oh, sorry. Friends, the need of it is gone. Streets of gold, all those things, they overwhelm me. But things like this is what just works on me, just trying to think, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What are we going to be? I mean, we won't sleep. We won't rest. 
And the older I get, I mean, those are major things in my life. I'm sorry. I don't get as much, but I mean, it's something that I want. <laughs> There's no beds in heaven. We won't sleep when we get to heaven because there's no night there. There's no night, so you won't have to sleep. Apparently, some folks around the message needed this quote repeated, so he just says it really word for word again. So you won't have to sleep when you get to heaven because there's no beds there. Verse 26 and 27. I'll let you rest yourself and then we'll dismiss. Then shall they bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh lie, but that which is written in the Lamb's book of life. You raised your hand a while ago that you wanted to go. You can't be a part of a lie if you want to go. So don't make one and don't tell one. That includes gossip, second, third-handed, that you might be sharing if you don't have the facts to prove it, be careful. Amen. You could be lying on somebody. Right? So whosoever loves and whosoever maketh a lie and the abominable, the fearful, as we've already looked at, isn't it amazing that right in the middle of this tour into the paradise of God, John would insert such a thing? It's important. Is it not? Let's bow our heads together. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, our poor minds, our hearts, have tried as best as we can to comprehend what lays before us as the people of God. Let me emphasize again, Lord, what I said several weeks ago, that much of what John says, he basically, basically places it on the negative side and he tells us of what won't be there so there'll be no pain there'll be no sorrow there'll be no dying no abominable no fearful no night John knows that we as humans could best relate to what won't be there more so than what we could relate to what would be there Most of us, our portion of gold in life has been very limited. To some, it would be no more than the ring they wear or the ring their wife wears. Or some of them may have a few gold coins that they keep and they collect. But for the most part, our collection of gold, most of us probably have no jasper, chrysophorus, chrysolite, maybe some of these whose Amethyst might be their birthstone. They might have a ring or a small necklace with it on there. So to relate, some of our sisters might have a small necklace with pearls hanging on it, either cultured or real. But for us to imagine gates made of one solid pearl, we cannot even go that far. But I can relate. There'll be no dying. No sorrow, no sickness, no trouble. Lord Jesus, we long for that day. 
Father, I pray you would help each of us here today, those that will hear this service. If there's one whose name is on the Lamb's book, who's not yet been called to the Father's care, may you reach them, Lord. Father, whether they'd be in America, India, Africa, Europe, wherever they would be, I don't know how it works. For all those out here, Lord, that's not in the Lamb's book. I know you're just and I know you'll give every person an opportunity. But I also know if you tarry another thousand years, some people would never come to you. So we pray, come Lord Jesus. Any of your seed who's not yet redeemed. Dear God, may you reach them. If we are the light bearers that would be one to help them, help us, Father. If it's a preacher riding on a bicycle this morning over in Uganda, maybe early before daylight he left out of Kampala or he left out of another one of the cities on a bicycle that this church or another church helped him buy. And he went into a little small village. They didn't have any electricity. It was so squalid and filled with filth. But he got a little box, took his Bible, stood up on that box, and started preaching of Jesus and his mercy. There might have been a little black African boy or girl that come up and bowed down before that little street preacher. And ask him to lead him to the Lord Jesus. Or Father, maybe it was the man that I talked to last week. Been in prison for 30 years of his life. Needing to know how to find Jesus. He'd been around the message. He'd been around message people. But basically all they talked about was Brother Branham. When he called the library here, Lord, and talked to Brother Jim, he asked him, I want to come to the Lord, but do I come through Brother Branham to get to Jesus? Brother Branham was our beloved prophet, but he was not our Savior. Brother Jim was able to instruct him and tell him, No, brother, you don't come to the Lord Jesus through Brother Branham. Lord God, maybe it was him. That might have been the last one as I led him to you on the phone the other night, Lord. Maybe somebody this week that will meet somewhere. We don't know. But let our light shine, Jesus. Let our light shine, dear God, that we can be able to be a reflection of what you've made us to be. Bring your children in, Father, so we can leave this wretched world. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray for the sick. I pray for those without the Holy Ghost here this morning, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, that we can be ready. Granted, Father, in the name of Jesus. Where the saints of God will be That sounds like home Praise God, 
that sounds like home to me like where I long is what you've heard this morning sound like home be no tears to fill our eyes the hills will echo Oh 
just a river flowing by the tree of life. Oh, no pain or disappointments ever come there. Oh, and Jesus Christ himself Father, thank you for your grace to us, Lord. I ask you, God, that you would go with us. Father, may you help us, Lord, with the hardships and the difficulties that we deal with in life, getting from point A to point B. Lord, we know that you're mindful of us. Help us, Father. Minister grace to the needs of your children around the world. Go with us now, Lord, as we leave this place, never to depart from your presence. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, saints. I love you. I want to see each one of you that day and you know what y'all can have all the time you want with me as much as you want brother jim won't even be standing there say 30 minutes is up we're going to have as much time won't that be wonderful no trouble no heartaches let's pick it up a little bit brother and saying a little bit faster god bless you she go in the fear of god oh that sounds like home to me like where i
saints. <laughs> 